Hey everybody, welcome to Commercial Construction, Elevate the Industry podcast series hosted by yours truly, Dave Presida. I'm happy to be here with you today and I thank you for joining us. Purpose of the podcast is simple. We want everyone from owner to intern in commercial construction to understand the business better so you can make the best decisions about how you want to move forward. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. I was ready to do a solo uh, episode today on exterior wall, what they call rain screen. And I, you know, I know a little bit about it and I certainly can sell it, but I got to tell you, I've got today a guest who I've known for well over 35 years. We met way back when in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, in the prefabricated exterior wall business that has morphed. And it's morphed to the rain screen. That's what we're going to talk about today. Ray Picone, president of RJP Associates, as well as Ray has got a tremendous background. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm in the business of rain screen. And I wouldn't be in the business of rain screen without Ray. He's helped me tremendously over the last two years. And we've been able to do it right, Elim- not eliminate, but but mitigate the learning curve. So, Ray, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? My pleasure, Dave. I'm doing great today. Thank you. Join, so Ray, join tell, us, tell us a little bit about your background. And okay. I know I know you're older than me, but that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I started out in the late '70s after I got out of out of uh, the service and. Uh, got into exterior walls. That's all, all I've done all my life. I uh, basically did uh, resinous concrete and then uh, phased into sales of uh, exterior EFIS systems in the late, late 70s, early 80s, when it, when it uh, really became a dominant force in the uh, exterior envelope uh, industry. At that point, we were just doing basic uh, barrier systems. We, we, we put uh, sheathing on, put the insulation on the EFIS and just go to town and caulk the joints. Uh, we learned lessons the hard way after a few years that uh, this was creating problems with uh, not allowing the exterior wall to breathe. And what happened is we ended up with schools with uh, black mold, with moisture penetration, and at that point, then we started exploring what what was happening with these walls, with this system. Uh, then we learned the hard way and started uh, educating ourselves on rain screen systems. Mid mid eighteen or yeah eighteen mid nineteen eighties is when we really got into the uh, rain screen systems. At that point, with EFIS was uh, basically a moisture drainage system, which was an upscale to their barrier system. Uh, this allowed this allowed the moisture to get into the system and start draining out. After that, we we started exploring exterior skins, which which were ACM, uh, thin set uh, a tile, uh, fiber cement materials, uh, UHPC, which is uh, ultra high uh, uh, concrete. Uh, ter- I mentioned terracotta uh, and. All these systems at that point were still doing a barrier system. In, in other words, depending on the sealant as the as the one line of defense of moisture getting into the system, because the materials themselves were were uh, low pervious uh, materials, not allowing the moisture through them. So the the weak point at that point was through the joints. 
Once, once we started exploring and understanding rain screens, then we decided that we were going to go into it full blown. And at that point, we, we wanted to learn more about it. And really, rain screens are simple. There's two different types. You have a drainage cavity back system, which is the uh, moisture drainage system. And then you have a, a basically a P, uh, I'll call it a pressure equalized chamber, which is, which is the most common one now with the exterior skins. It, it, it basically is a outer cladding, a terracotta, metal, anything with the low porosity, an air cavity, and then a air, a, the most important point is an air and vapor barrier, which was the primary seal of the building. The, the outer cladding was designed to limit the amount of water that could potentially come into contact with the primary uh, air, air and moisture barrier system. Uh, you have you basically five five forces of, of problems coming in. You have kinetic energy, which is basically wind pressure, gravity, which is the material sliding down the wall surface, capillary action, which wants to take the moisture into the backside and into the air cavity, and then surface tension. And, and at that point, we, we, we explored this and realized that all we have to do is compartmentalize chambers, pressure equalize that chamber behind the veneer, which would be anywhere from a quarter inch to an inch of airspace. They, uh, and then at that point, the system started working. So from then, we basically just, uh, just explored that and kept it going. Uh, we can utilize any type of exterior surface, just about, and as long as it has a low, low uh, pressure—not not pressure, a low uh, porosity of material, so that that the moisture doesn't go directly through the material. So, so Ray, would it be safe? I want to dumb it down a little bit. Safe to say that a rain screen system is two parts: it's a backup wall system and then a skin. Right, which is separate. You've got a chamber, as you call it, or you've got space in there. You've got air barrier, right, which is a impermeable membrane, which allows that wall to breathe, right, moisture in and out. You've got insulation, which, you know, is another, I guess, barrier to water, but you want insulation that doesn't absorb water. You've got an airspace and you've got the rain screen. So the exterior actually serves as like the initial barrier uh, for rain. But if rain gets in, it's an open joint system typically, right? Correct. So if rain does get in there, there's a way to get it out. Why that's is that so, I mean, that is so popular today because it allows the wall to breathe? That's correct. It allows the wall to breathe. It, it, it creates a, a barrier and a, a separation between interior moisture and exterior moisture and penetration. And the key to that point is that you don't have a problem with moisture getting into the what we call the stud frame or the masonry backup wall. So without that, you have you you basically have solved the problem. Excuse me about my uh, ears coming out, my, but you solved the pro you solved the problem of of that uh, of that uh, primary situation which is which is 
basically uh, uh, paralyze these exterior envelopes for for many years. They almost put the EFIS industry out of business. Well, I had to tell you, Rick, the EFIS name, as I was growing up, because we met in the exterior wall business and we erected, my company erected the panels that your company made. That's and correct. No framing with sheathing. And that was and then some kind of drainage system and, you know, usually EFIS. So there are companies like Turner that, that used to say, they used to have their contract, no EFIS. Well, right. That's changed, but yeah. but you talk about you talk about the uh, architects and the architectural community, and we'll get into the details of how it's built. But it does allow for some nice looking exterior skins, right? Oh, definitely. You can you can do so much with with carving up foam. I mean, you can create uh, you can create a lot of patterns at a very reasonable uh, cost for that exterior envelope. So you can create a lot of a lot of design, a lot of uh, architectural features that they they love. Uh, Las Vegas wouldn't be here right now with the, and, and Atlantic City would not be here to the extent that they are right now without the EFIS industry basically driving our wall stove that were the the primary players back in the 70s and 80s. So now comes along rain screen and. Now you have even more options as an, as a designer or as an owner. Colors, right? Textures. You've got you said it, you've got ACM, terracotta, you've got high performance concrete. Uh, and you know, what are some of the other items you see on the exterior that would be considered rain screen? You said it, you can use anything. Just about anything, that's correct. Uh, we yep, wood. We've we've used we've used uh, high density wood. Uh, in fact, it's really interesting because wood is where the systems really developed in the 1800s in Norway. Uh, they, you know, the Norwegians basically had masonry buildings and they, they put cross bracing up and put wood framing up. That, that was really the first intentionally designed airspace between the exterior skin and a barrier type material. The nice part about those walls and, and a masonry wall, it, it basically, the thicker and the deeper they are, it allows moisture in, but it doesn't allow it all the way into the interior envelope. So at that point, it, it at some point it dissipates, dries out and moves back on again. It gets wet again, but it's all within that exterior, exterior mass, I would call it, of, of uh, either concrete or cement block. So. Uh, that's that's really where it started with the with the woods with the wood surfaces etc like that. So, right for our contractors and our estimators that are listening or watching or both, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break. But when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna take the wall from the inside out. Talk about the most common types of backup wall, air barrier, insulation, and then rain screen, so people can get an idea of what this thing looks like. So we'll okay. see you. In a quick minute. Sounds good. Hi, I'm Patrick Ripple, founding partner of ISA Architectural. I've known that chap right there for well over 20 years. And what a 20 years it's been. I'm Larry Windsor, yeah. partner, vice president of construction services. Our third partner, Mike Morehouse, can't be with us today. We are the Mid-Atlantic's premier sales force for architectural building products and engineered architectural solutions. For over 15 years, we have been providing comprehensive design solutions to architects and designers all across this region 
and high quality economic product solutions to contractors and subcontractors too. We bring products and people together. We specialize in the building envelope, everything from the weather barrier all the way out to different types of cladding. We fully understand the rain screen principle and we have an interior portfolio specializing in wood and metal walls and ceilings. If you're a developer, part of a design team, architect, or interiors, or if you're a contractor, let us help you. Visit www.isaarchitectural.com and see how we can bring value to your project. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're here with uh, Ray Cone, an old-time friend, RJP Associates. Ray, uh, let's talk about a typical wall section. And I know you said there's masonry and there's cold form metal framing. Let's let's focus on what the cold form metal framing wall system looks like from the inside out. Okay, the uh, starting from the interior sheathing, then you have you have a, a stud frame system, cold cold form metal framing, uh, either four inch, six inch, eight inch, uh, depending on the the height and the wind loads that you that you have to resist. Outboard of that is a five eighths or half inch exterior sheathing. Uh, basically a waterproof exterior sheathing. On board of that would be a air vapor air vapor barrier membrane. That's your primary seal for the building. Uh, outside of that then becomes a, a, a attachment system. The the there are two schools of thought right now on on the the attachment system. One would be a thermally broken system which would be the, the newer uh, ecosystems, uh, green dirt, that type of product, uh, or a, a basic uh, double angle, uh, either galvanized or, or aluminum angles, which would support your exterior envelope, your exterior skin. Uh, inboard of that cavity, then you have your thermal insulation of uh, uh, a thermofiber type of uh, material. Uh, anywhere from two inch to six inches thick, depending on on the uh, amount of uh, insulation that the architect is requiring the location of the building. Supporting supporting the exterior envelope material, which would be your our, your uh, terracotta, your ACM, your fiber cement, uh, even uh, even a, a thin thin set stone. At that point, uh, the chamber between the insulation and the backside of the material is is your pressure equalized chambers what we what we call that and that is that is a a derivative of the type of material the thickness of the joints and the size of your chambers that you're developing these chambers are are pretty simple you you it, it's no more than your horizontal and vertical attachment systems that create these chambers. And at that point, then the depth of the cavity between the backside of the veneer material and the face of the insulation is determined by the architect. There's formulas to do all this now. It's pretty, pretty, pretty much simplified. And that's the basic wall. Uh, it can be either prefabricated, uh, the panels can be can be slab to slab uh, as far as just cold form framing and sheathing. The the nice part about that is that you can dry in the building quickly. And in other words, just having the ABB membrane, the exterior sheathing, the framing as a part of the system, punching in the windows, and then 
well, all the interior trades are working, your exterior envelope can be put on. It's basically uh, in the same time frame as all your interior trades are progressing. Also listen to my podcast on prefabrication, right? Because that's exactly. <laughs> anyway, I want to go back to the air barrier because you said it's an air and vapor barrier. And I want our listeners to understand that there is a difference because an air barrier allows moisture to pass through the membrane. Okay. An air barrier stops, however, windblown moisture or from either pressing moisture into the building or sucking moisture out of the building. Okay, a air and vapor barrier would be anything that's impervious to water, typically used over the concrete slab face for to dissimilar metals to tie the, uh, and this is getting technical, but to tie the uh, permeable membrane to whatever the structure is. Anyway, that said, we did a job together recently and we looked at the job and we said, you know, we could use the typical Z-bars that go horizontal, right? So you don't have to worry about where your metal studs are. Uh, and then they go vertical and they create that chamber where you put insulation in. However, we would put about 30,000 screws in about 42,000 square feet of sheathing. Now, it almost sounds ridiculous when, <laughs> when you're talking about an air, an air barrier, you put 30,000 holes in it. Now, if the holes, you know, if as long as it's going in steel or sucking in, no, you know, the air barrier manufacturers don't care. What remember what we did at the one job to eliminate those uh, holes and to create what they call continuous insulation. Correct. Yes, you're talking the ecosystem that we we we, we attach from slab to slab with vertical tubes, and that that worked out that worked out beautifully. The uh, the the system uh, is a little bit more expensive to purchase, and but it's a simpler system to install. And once you have all your verticals, then it's basically just putting your horizontals on uh, to, to support the system that you're you're providing, the exterior envelope system. So yes, that's that's definitely is. Uh, I will call it the the systems of the future, the 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 Cadillac systems, but the the. Contractors, uh, the, 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 I'll put it this way, the, the know-how contractors and subcontractors recognize that this, this initial additional cost for the, for the basic product is offset by the field labor, especially in, in the uh, more costly unionized areas or uh, right-to-work type trades where you, you're paying you're paying uh, a little bit more for your for your on-site labor, and uh, it, it uh, it's definitely the way the way of the future. There's no doubt about it. That's a good point. You know, when you talk about material, if you're in a high labor market like New York City or Jersey or a union market, or it's a prevailing wage job, it's a whole different dynamic in terms of what types of material makes sense. Now, yeah, you know, so. We have, we just booked a huge terracotta job, right? We got terracotta, we got ACM. Talk about ACM, right? There was a fire a couple of years ago in London. What right. happened and why is that not a concern today? Well, that, 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 that whole sad, sad situation there was a direct result of uh, savings, trying to put a, a 
keep exterior skin on a building and not really following the basic rules of the ACM material. Number one, it was not a fire-rated product that they installed. Number two, they did not route and return the edges to uh, create a caulk joint. They, they basically tried a simple, uh, I'll call it a simple range screen system, but they did everything that you're not supposed to do. They used a, a combustible insulation, a styrofoam type material. They did not, they did not route and return the edges, which I mentioned. So they left the, the fire, the non-fire core exposed to the elements. So as soon as, as soon as this fire started in this one apartment, it just, there was no containing it. Uh, the insulation was burning, the ACM was burning. And since then there, I believe that two of the manufacturers have basically taken the, what we call a PE core uh, off the market for them. Everything they're doing now is a fire rated core. Uh, they, they took a lot of bad publicity and it really wasn't their fault. It was, it was an architectural and a, a monetary decision that drove that, that, that uh, design of that building. So we have Ray NFP A285, which yeah. basically is a test on the exterior wall to make sure that that doesn't happen. You create a flu and the flame just shoots up the building, right? What can Perfect. you tell us about NFBA 285? That, 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 is a, that is a test that basically, uh, it's a full-blown wall test, uh, just, just like uh, the old, there were quite a few ASTMs uh, in, in the old days that were just testing the product itself. This, the 285 tests the whole exterior wall system. And it's a, it's a full chamber test. Uh, and from that, they have certain parameters that you have to meet. Fire promulgation, the, the amount of spread that it can, that it's allowed, et cetera, like that. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a basic test that is really required on almost every type of ACM or uh, almost every, every type of exterior wall product now, uh, as far as a safety issue. You mentioned styrofoam, and you also mentioned thermofiber, which is a trade name. It's mineral fiber, rock mineral, mineral fiber, right? And it's it's uh, I think it melts at like twenty one hundred degrees. It's what's using fire containment assemblies on the inside of the building. So there's no concern about that. That's predominantly the insulation that's used on the out on the outside. Now, Ray, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what is the acronym ACM? What does that stand for? ACM is basically a, a, aluminum composite materials. It's a, it's a either four millimeter or six millimeter thick uh, product with an O2O exterior skin, an O2O interior skin, and a a a core at, at the point of either a PE core or an FR core. FR being a fire rated core, and they're they're, they're laminated together uh, and then becomes one one thick composite material four millimeter thick and it's a it's really the uh the cadillac of the of the metal plate systems uh because you can all the paint all the finishes coil coated so you have a uniform uh uniform finish on the on the material uh, a lot of architects because of the fires over in saudi and in uh, england have uh, uh, shied away from ACM for just be for political reasons, really, and, and uh, it, 
because of, like you said, the Turners, the Tishmans have basically ruled out uh, EFIS and then they were starting to rule out ACM also. So a lot of architects are going to eighth inch plate and uh, that that's a, a step up from the ACM cost wise, but they're, they're, there, there's enough out there now then there's, there's enough fabricators that have brought that system to to the market where you don't have the problems that you had years ago of delamination of the paint finishes etc like that because it's all post painted all uh, plate is post painted unless you get into titanium zinc uh, those type of natural materials which were which are very very improved products for uh, range screen systems because there's no maintenance on them at all at that point after is, after they're know, installed. First first range screen job I ever did was Fort Belvoir Community Hospital and it was a couple hundred thousand square feet of zinc. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it's dean and everything. That's the look that they wanted. Yep. So so let, like two more things before we take another break. Crash course Ray real quick on how terracotta and ultra high performance concrete are made. Oh boy. Uh, okay. Well, as far as uh, you're talking about like a GFRC product or an ultra high. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, like a fiber cement. Okay. Fiber, fiber cement basically is a, is a high density uh, cement, cement with chopped, chopped fiber strands in it. It's a sprayed on system. Again, you can do a lot with it design-wise. As long as you have good mold makers in your shop, you can you can do deep uh, uh, cornices, three, four foot deep cornices, a lot of projection areas, and then at that point, uh, you you can shop install a, a stud frame system so that this becomes a prefabricated system, or it can be just the just the exterior skin face fastened to the building. But it, it's a product that is sprayed into a bowl and baked? Yeah. Yeah, so it's well, baked. Not, not, well, fiber cement is not baked. Uh, uh, you, uh, it's a it's a, uh, a sprayed on material that is basically just just like cementitious uh, concrete. It's a sprayed on, the ultra high uh, uh, concrete, yeah, P UHPC is a is a, uh, a, a, a heated a heated process material but it's still they're all formed at it's a downcast system very similar to uh modular concrete three inch yeah. uh, uh, eight inch thick concrete precast right same thing with terracotta right Ter ter terracotta is a uh is two different types you can you can uh you can uh, form terracotta Majority of terracotta is uh, is basically what we call spaghetti runs. They're, they're extruded products that are that are formed and, and extruded in, in a shop. There's really only one or two domestic terracotta manufacturers. So this has become a problem right now due to due to everything with the with the pandemic, et cetera, like that. As far as uh, this German and Spain as far as being the primary manufacturers, as far as scheduling, et cetera, like that. So this is something that has to be taken into consideration uh, that they are become they are becoming long range uh, scheduling uh, situations that you have to address. And that is a perfect segue to our next break, because when we come back, we're going to talk about 
some of the issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly about rain screen. And we're going to talk about just what you said, the lead times and some of the issues with terms, as well as some of the, the risks about dealing with overseas manufacturers. So we'll see you in another quick minute. Hey everybody, if you're looking for a strategic business partner who does subcontracting work on the interiors, let me tell you about the CFP group. They are a minority business enterprise and have been in business for over 20 years. If you're interested, you can contact them by email at cfpgroup1 at gmail.com or call them directly at 410-977-8568. That's 410-977-8568. Take it from me. I've done business with them, and I know they can get the job done. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Ray Picone, an old friend, RJP Associates, an expert in rain screen, if you haven't figured that out already. Ray, Ray, we promised that we would talk about some of the risks of dealing with overseas manufacturers. Now, you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing it for a few years, and we both have felt the sting when that happens. An example. If you order uh, fiber cement and it's made in Germany and you think you've got enough, you order and it costs $30 a square foot. You don't want to order too much because it costs money. However, the cost of not having it, right, <laughs> at the end of the Correct. time yep. can be crazy. So when you bid work, right, and I know this, but when you yep. bid work, tell our audience what some of the considerations are. Okay. Well, your, your your terracottas, your uh, uh, fiber cement materials, it's like they're coming out of Switzerland, uh, out of the uh, South America, uh, Spain, Germany. The they've set a and they've set a policy up, and they're all pretty much uh, trying to do the same thing. And really, the American market has bowed to them. Uh, in other words, these people, are, the manufacturers are saying we want 50% down initially uh, when to start shop drawings. We want another 25% when we start fabrication. We want the balance paid before we put it on a boat to get to you. So you're you're at the you're at the mercy uh, of of the manufacturers unless you know them. And you you basically tell them, you know what, if we want to buy your product, here's our terms, 20% down, 15% uh, when you 15% more when you start fabrication. Uh, we'll we'll be up to 70% when it when it leaves the the uh, yards over overseas on the containers. And then the last 30% is 30 days after the material arrives and we can start inspecting it and knowing what we have. So, so these are these are the terms that when we were when we were when I was actually subcontracting and doing a lot of this work, that we we basically tried to force the issue with them. Uh, they their rates are set on the euro, so the rate of the euro from when you when you negotiate with them might be one o three dollar. It, it changes uh, six months later when you, when your material is ready to ship. And all of a sudden, you, you're you're hit with another thirty or forty thousand uh, dollar invoice to to counteract the the differential in the monetary exchange. So these are these are the things that that uh, again the American American market has has allowed to develop. The uh, you know as far as contractors, the architects understand some of this. 
The owners do not, though. The owners uh, typically, you know, they go to a Walmart or a Target and they buy a product and they pay for that product and they walk out with it. Uh, what's happened with what's happened with with this industry is when you tell, you know, when you close a deal, and that's what a contractor or a subcontractor has to make clear while he's negotiating his contract with the with the CM or the GC that you require this much down payment to to start the ball rolling. You need 16 to 18 to 20 weeks uh, lead time from signing contract to when you can expect material to start arriving at that site. So it's gotten to be that these exterior envelopes are in the same classification now as glass. You know, glass, everybody assumes that glass is a 20-week 20 20, uh, uh, minimum uh, delivery schedule. So the good, news is, the good news is for contractors, with such a long lead time, it forces the general contractors to engage you early. That's you correct. Because, yes. And that's a good thing, uh, especially if you're doing the backup wall or air barrier or hopefully both, because now you're leveraging one to get the other single source makes all the sense in the world. Listen to the prefab um, uh, episode. And, you know, what I Ray said, it, you said it right. As a subcontractor, negotiate the terms with the manufacturer before you give them the job. Because if you don't, you're in trouble. Negotiate Absolutely. Once you negotiate those terms, then you let the general contractor know you're going to need this much money. Correct. Now, I can tell you this. They don't want to go for it, as you know. Yeah. And on the last job I got, it's massive. And guess what? The owner didn't want to deal with it. But you know what they did? They gave us extra money for financing costs. Right. Yes. Now I'm going to Jesse Weisberg from Build It. He's, mm -hmm. He was on a, a couple episodes ago. You should listen to him. If you're a subcontractor and you are going to be out of pocket, for material. This is a great way, and Jesse has a great way to deal with that. Okay, so yes. it does have relevance now. You're still gonna have to come up front with the, the money to get the thing rolling. But but if you make a payment when they're when they have it in their containers, you know, in Europe, then it's only six weeks over, right? And then you can actually get paid for it. Correct. So that, that all comes down to the finessing it with the client and the manufacturer. And the terms, look, I should say the terms, and the lead time is only good for, for you if if you don't miss something. That's correct. You know, I yeah. people all the time. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we're talking about especially uh, businesses, right? Especially products. And this fits it, although this is really on steroids because when you're talking about $50 to $120 a square foot for a rain screen wall, that's a lot, right? Yeah. That's a yep. lot. We're going to get to that in a second. But the point is, I say to most people, why wouldn't you do it? You know, what's your biggest risk? And they say, well, you know, if I, if I figure 30 feet a day and you only get 20 feet a day. Well, that's not your biggest risk. You're still going to make money. That's it's right. 70% to 30% material labor. So if you miss your labor by 20%, what are you missing it by, really? Okay? Yeah. What's the biggest risk, right? As far as the whole exterior envelope, uh, the big, the biggest risk is not doing it correctly. You know, as far as your your field labor, your your knowledge of the system, how how it's supposed to perform, and why you're why you're why you're educating your your field personnel on why they have to run a beat a con a beat a ceiling across that horizontal member. 
why they have to cover the screw head. Uh, you know, moisture moisture penetrates. So so it, if it's the stainless steel screw, uh, we found out the hard way years ago that stainless steel is not stainless steel anymore. Uh, they they mixed uh, different components into the stainless steel to be able to push them as a small number ten or number twelve screw, and they 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 corrode. Uh, you know it's hard to believe, but uh, the, these these fasteners do corrode over a period of time. A simple solution is a is either a, uh, a touch up with a, 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 a air membrane or a, a shot of sealant over that screw head. Uh, solves the problem. So there's different there's different components that the the men in the field and that was that was a hard hard lesson for us also back in the 80s and, and early 90s. The the technicians I call them technicians in the field our, our field personnel didn't really understand and we didn't educate them. We knew on paper we drew pretty pictures. Uh, we knew what we were supposed to do. And, uh, you know, in the field, uh, you know, the superintendent is basically saying, you know, you've got to get 60 square feet a day. You've got to get 80 square feet a day. Well, the, the, you know, when they start getting under the gun, all of a sudden little items get slipped. And, you know, you know, uh, you know two years later, you're in litigation trying to figure out what happened, even though you're not at fault at some point. Major trouble. And I'll add one thing to that, risk factor. Yes. Because I talk about risk factors again in my specialty products episode. However, the biggest difference here is if you don't get enough material, or if oh. you oh that one well that that that's a that, that's a I, I apologize that's a taken for me. I ordered eight to ten percent extra of everything, uh, no matter what, because like you said, the the cost of that material is substantial initially. But it's it's enormous if you're sitting out there with mass climbers and swings, and you're waiting for material to be air freighted in from Spain or Germany that you're paying three times the price for the, that product. So uh, it's a lot easier trying to discard uh, four or five thousand square feet of material, depending on the size of the job, after the fact. And I'll tell you, right, the <laughs> for those who don't know, and I'm saying this again. Yeah. You take a 50,000 square foot job where you've got uh, fiber cement at 30 bucks a square foot. Yeah. You're going to order 10% more. That's $150,000. That's how can I do that? Yep. You have to do it because yep. if you don't do it, you are looking for trouble. That could cost you 10 times that because the building either doesn't get complete or any number of other things that go wrong, liquidated damages, all that stuff. So, so if, listen, if there's one thing, you're in the business that you learned today. It, it, it should be that, okay? Everything else right. important to that is super critical. Now, Ray, uh, let's go through real quickly. Well, let's let's go one further back on that one, if you don't mind. Sure. On the negotiation, it's when you're negotiating with the manufacturer and you need attic stock and you need waste. That is the cheapest add-on to a an order that you can do at the time. So in other words, they're pushing material out the door. And if you tell them you need an extra, if it's a fiber cement material, you need an extra 48 by 120 sheets, you need an extra 50 sheets or 100 sheets, uh, you can negotiate that into your contract and just say, you know what, I need this material, you know I need it. And uh, you know, let's, let's buy this at 50% of the, of the base cost. I don't want any fa fastener holes through it. 
I don't need anything else other than that product on the on the uh, container. Large format, and I love what you just said because if I if, if it were me proposing, I would say included in my proposal exactly. is this much attic stock, and here's the value. Because if my competitor's not doing it, they're going to ask, yep. and they're going to either make them do it or say, okay, if you don't need it, I want it back. Whatever. Yeah. But that's a great. That's a good. That's a good point. So. Right. Give me three manufacturers who make terracotta. The 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 major major players are Shildan, Boston Valley for domestic product. Uh, they're out of uh, out of uh, Buffalo, New York. Shildan is out of out of uh, Germany. Uh, you have NBK out of the I believe the Netherlands uh, area or Germany also. Excuse me, Germany also. So those are those are really the three key players. Uh, the Boston Valley is more of a uh, formed material. They do they do uh, push what I call spaghetti spaghetti uh, extrusions, uh, but uh, they're they're more of a crafted material uh, as far as design wise. Uh, Shildan and NBK are the premier people for just volumes of, of material. Uh, pushing it out, cutting it, packing it, packaging it, and shipping it. And Ray, so, you said something funny. Boston Valley's out of where? Boston. Oh, I did tell you Boston. Didn't I say that? Is it Boston? Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Where's Boston Valley? No, they're at? not. No, they're not. They're out of Buffalo. That's New York. And you said that. <laughs> and I'm thinking Boston Valley out of Buffalo. I just want to make that clear. Yes. ACM. Big guys. Who are they? The ACM, uh, Alucaban, which would be Sobatech uh, as far as a major, they're the uh, worldwide uh, size-wise, but you have Alucaban, you have Renobond, Al Pollock. These are the major, major products. Uh, really, anybody can can route and return ACM if they know the, the system, then you know how to push extrusions, et cetera, like that. But if you're buying a finished product, then uh, you have three or four Three or four uh, major players that that can produce material for you for the uh, ACM. Again, it's uh, Alpolic, Rental Bond, the Luca Bond are the three major ones. But you got actually the guys that, that fabricated would be Sobatech, CEI. Who else? C yeah, CEI, Miller Clapperton. Uh, the, as far as in, in your in the general market where you're at, there there's people Raymond, etc., like that. On the there's certain people on the West Coast that uh, that fabricate. Uh, we've dealt, uh, you know, the Keith products out, out in Salt Lake City, et cetera, like that. So there's there's different manufacturers for, for that type of product. A plate right. is the same thing. Let's go to fiber cement. Fiber C. Uh, you, you've got Swiss, Swiss Pearl, Equitone. Uh, let me think. Uh, Swiss Pearl, Equitone. I've got ultra high performance concrete. The ultra ultra high uh, uh, performance concrete, uh, you know that that uh, the Corps of Engineers used that in the late late eighteen hundred eighteen yeah nineteen eighties uh, for basically retrofits to bridges and stuff like that. So uh, I'm not that uh, familiar with with the, the different manufacturers uh, for UHPC. Uh, it's 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 a, uh, a specialty product that's. Uh, that's uh, you know it's it's found its mark uh you, you uh i shouldn't say i i don't know them i haven't used them that often 
I'm thinking of the different manufacturers and I'm drawing this blank. Tacto is Tacto is the main one, right? It has because we, did, we eat out a lot. As a matter of fact, the company that we both consult with, CJ Coakley, did um, a big job in DC, and they they went over and saw a honeycomb panel, right? A metal mm -hmm. panel that looks okay. like, it, but it was like maybe one eighth of the of the weight, and they changed it. So look, there. You know what we didn't mention? One last one: porcelain. It's a coming oh, yeah, definitely. finish. Definitely. Who porcelain. provides porcelain? Okay, porcelain uh, is, is, I mean, I've done a dozen buildings with porcelain. Uh, porcelain tile, uh, it's just a, uh, it's just a, it's an expensive product to start with, but it's just a, uh, it's just a, a beautiful looking material. Once it's on the building and it's done correctly, it's maintenance free for, you know, for the life of the building, really. It's, it's a, uh, Porcelanosa is your is your major player in the industry right now out of Spain. Uh, they they have they have really devoted the time, effort, and money into the design of the systems. Uh, from them, you can purchase everything and every everything including the fasteners from the AB uh, AB membrane outboard. Uh, they 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 have the in-house uh, engineering to. Uh, provide shop drawings, provide the the engineering for that whole exterior envelope. So if you're willing to spend that little bit of extra, it's well worth uh, getting that system. There are other manufacturers that will sell you just the porcelain and then you pick up a uh, an echo system or a green girt system uh, that, again, the industry, if you do your homework, the industry has has responded to range screen systems. There's a lot of manufacturers out there that uh, manufacture and supply the different components uh, systems to uh, to create a, a good range screen system. What I like about Porcelain is the fact that they are a turnkey operation. That's correct. And this is important. You contractors out there, if you think you're buying you know, are you buying engineering from Reader North America? Are you buying engineering from Sobertech? Are you buying just panel layout? You need to know that because it varies. Sometimes it's a menu of items you can pick, but you better know that you're getting everything. You might buy it a la carte from different sources, but don't get caught short with it because that's disaster. Now, Ray, in closing, what types of contractors do you see evolving toward the rain screen wall system they the the main subcontractors are are uh, usually the carpenter trades are the ones that are have been doing the membranes uh the ab membranes that have been doing the insulation because years ago you had three different contractors on the outboard on the outboard swings you had you had a uh, a framing contractor that put up the studs and the sheathing. You had a roofer that came in and put up vertical membrane because this was a new, new, new product on the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't basically stapling, uh, stapling uh, uh, a uh, barrier up like a Tyvek or something like that. Then you had, then you had a, a, a uh, again, an insulator that was out there putting insulation on the building, and and then a carpenter came along and put some type of skin on. You know, either carpenter or plaster, depending on on what the trade was. So, I, I we we, it's pretty much evolved that these subcontractors have have 
come out on board now with a uh, a carpentry back background trade, a plastering background trade, that have been able to bring the tradesmen in and educate them, really to educate them. Because if you're if you're in a a an area, a geographic area like down south, where your your labor rate is uh, less expensive than up north in the northeast or out west, uh, you you can afford to put. Ten men out uh, and doing the work of what up north four men would be doing, and so it's an offset,、uh, you know. But if you have the trained personnel that are doing it correctly、uh, at at a higher labor rate, you're you're gonna you're gonna benefit in the end, no doubt about it. Think about it at your end. I'm not trying to talk anybody into business, but if you're a carpentry contractor, you're already doing the exterior walls. You're doing lake agent sheeting, and depending on the market and all that, it could be.、Yep. It could be eighteen bucks a square foot, and then air barrier is seven or eight bucks a square foot, right? So now you're gonna say twenty six, twenty seven. But you're in a catbird seat to get the rain screen, which anywhere from forty five on the low end to a hundred plus on the high end. Now, what is rain screen? It's layout. Listen, drywall contractor. It's layout,、yep. framing, insulation, and finishing. Now、Correct. it sounds easy. And it's it's not it's not simple, and it takes it takes time. What you don't want to do is learn through the school of hard knocks, right? So if you are interested in a rain screen membrane, you want to contact me at my website. I give you all that in a few minutes, and I'll get you to Ray. Whatever.、Uh, there's there's really smart things you can do to mitigate the learning curve. I'll tell you one trade, Ray, that's dying to do this. Are the masons because they're losing brickwork like crazy, right?、Correct. Losing block and brickwork like crazy, and they're all over rain screen now. And if I was the labor union in charge of of the the brick the brickies the masons, I'd be doing the same thing. Right. So,、Correct. Ray, in imparting,、uh, what what advice would you give to an aspiring contractor? In the rain screen business, start small. Do a couple. Go in and go after a couple, two, three-story buildings that you, you, you're you're mobilizing. You don't have the risk of、uh, should I use a mass climber? Should I use swings? How am I going to access this building? How am I going to feed the material? Because at this point,、uh, you've got to realize if it's being done correctly, the the building is being closed in. Did you negotiate with the owner or the, or the GC to allow so many windows to be left out so you can access、uh, your material? Because if you have to bring it up from the ground every single time that you're go you're feeding this building, you've lost production. So so you have to really plan plan and schedule what you have to what you're going to be doing your different operations, different steps, and how you're going to access the the building. But I've seen I've seen. A、uh, couple of subs that I was brought into to try and help them out. That they were doing thirty-story buildings and had never been on the outside of a building before. You know, it, it just—it it was sad. Recipe、yeah. for disaster. Yeah. And I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll end with this. The nice one of the many, I think,、uh, appealing things about Rain Screen. It's not a low cost to entry business, like let's say masonry and drywall. Right. You've got to have. Credit. You've got to have bonding power because these jobs get big fast, and you're not going to get credit or decent terms if you don't have them with your manufacturers. 
and your suppliers. And I say suppliers because uh, one of our sponsors, ISA, is a supplier of Rainstream. That's a subject that we're going to tackle when I interview them, matter of fact, in two days. Okay. okay we're going to talk about how the supply business works because uh, you're not going to be buying directly from most from, from most manufacturers. Anyway, Ray, I got to tell you, it's been, well, it's been a pleasure working with you for the last okay. two years. And I look forward to many more. Uh, and I think our audience has been supercharged with information, uh, good information from a wily fox like you. Uh, and, and I appreciate you sharing that information. My pleasure. It's been it's been it's been fun. Uh, like I say, I've been in the range screen for a long time. That that system, and uh, there's new things happening every day, and it's it's really been fun. It's uh, it's a it's a it's been a challenge, but uh, again, uh, over over the years, it's uh, it's really it's really paid off. It's uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. There's no doubt about it. Oh, great! Thanks again, and, and to those listening, thank you for joining us today. Stay safe and stay tuned. So if you have questions about starting, building, or selling your business or anything in between, contact me two ways. Go to my website, adicorp.com, that's A-D-I-C-O-R-P.com, it's my last name spelled backwards, or visit me on LinkedIn, go to David Proceda and leave your messages there. Visit us on our YouTube channel at Elevate the Industry. Check us out on Instagram at Elevate Industry. Subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Either way, we'll talk next week and between now and then, stay safe and stay tuned. All the music for the episodes, including our theme song, Elevate, was provided by DMV producer Trey Skills. If you like what you heard, follow Trey Skills on Instagram at Trey Skills, T-R-E-Y-S-K-I-L-L-Z. That's T-R-E-Y-S-K-I-L-L-Z. Elevate. Elevate.